like to greet each one in Jesus' name this afternoon. And um, I've been much encouraged and blessed with so many things that have been shared already here in this weekend. Uh, Two particular things stand out to me right now. And one is uh, what Brother Dale said uh, last night about um, uh, us all being participants and also um, describing uh, the, what somebody said to him about being a teacher and that how about we put that away and we'll all just be learners. And uh, this message that is um, on my heart that the Lord has given to me, I feel very much like a learner. I feel very much like um, uh, I invite you to listen in what the cry of my heart is and to join in with that cry. Um, sometimes in life we have... Um, we have everything planned. We've prayed for things. We've, we've put the plans in place. We've uh, maybe organized some things, whatever the case may be. And then uh, God in his mercy and in his provision at times upends those plans and changes them. And sometimes those are the greatest uh, mercies of God that we might experience, even though at the time we don't always understand why or how. And uh, last night as I was preparing to share this uh, this message, uh, this particular subject, I, I, it seemed like it was a very difficult subject for me to labor through. Uh, don't understand all of that, but um, certainly has made me dependent on the Lord. And uh, last night, the Lord just took um, much of what I had pieced together and put together and just kind of turned it all upside down. So um, you can pray for me, and I trust you have um, mercy if it's not all... Um, perfectly pieced together, but I do believe that in our dependency is where we find his, his sufficiency. And um, also, one of the highlights for me of Kingdom Fellowship Weekend each year is when we go around and um, uh, give introductions, and everybody shares where they're from and why they're here, and maybe uh, just a, a heart cry or testimony or something. It seems each year it takes a little longer to get around the circle, and, and that's a blessing. That's good. But as I sat in the back last night, and, and I heard uh, Mexico and England and, and, and Kansas and New York and, and Massachusetts, and I don't remember what all other states, um, as I saw the eager young people, which has been always a, a joy to me to see the young people coming to seek God, um, just the gravity of laboring in the Word and sharing the Word uh, settled on my shoulders. Uh, that I might, um, my cry to, to the Lord was that I might be faithful and I might get out of the way that he could um, uh, have his way. The, the title that I've been uh, given, the subject, is the inspiration of the written word. Um, I would like to start, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Second uh, Peter one twenty one. It's one of the text verses for the subject, and I believe it's, if I'm correct, also the one on the front of the pamphlet um, for this weekend. Second Timothy 3.16 tells us, every scripture is divinely inspired and profitable. First Peter 1.21 says, sorry, Second Peter 1.21 
For prophecy was not ever uttered by the will of man, but holy men of God spake under the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I believe uh, the more commonly used uh, translation says, uh, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And uh, the word there that we would like to start with, um, and I realize that there's a number of Bible scholars and translators here, so you may need to correct my pronunciation of this word, but is the Greek word pharaoh. And it has the idea of uh, to, to bear or carry or let, let drive or be driven. It's the thought of a sailboat on the water and the, the, the wind blowing against that sail and just moving it along to its destination. This is how the word of God came by these men. And uh, this afternoon... I don't have a lot of interest in, in talking about statistics and knowledge. Uh, maybe I could talk about uh, the 66 books and 40 authors spanning 1,400 years, recording over 44,000 years of history and maybe the hundreds or thousands of fulfilled prophecies and give you a lot of knowledge and information. But that is not my heart. My heart this afternoon is that the same wind that blew and drove them would blow and drive us. And... Um, there, there are two words that stand out, both uh, the word inspiration, the word written. And uh, I believe the Lord would have us uh, for the first part of this message to talk about inspiration. And, and by God's grace, if we have time and uh, we get there, we also talk about uh, that expressing itself and writing and how it did in men of old and how it will in us today. But first of all, I would like to talk about uh, ins- inspiration I believe as we study Scripture and as we study these men of God down through time, we will find that these men knew God. These, this was not, uh, Brother Dale said last night, when you go uh, to put a team together, you don't just go down to Walmart and, and pick five men or, or 11 men or however it is, but that it, there's such a, a, a gelling together, such a, a, a working together that needs to happen to make a team. And these men were men like that with God. They knew God. And God knew them. But more importantly than just their knowledge of God, the spirit of Almighty God rested on their shoulders. And I would like to talk a little bit at the outset of this message about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Um, It is my belief in many of our um, plain circles, conservative circles, that we believe in this, but teach and speak on it way too uh, uh, little. We ought to talk more about how important it is for the Holy Spirit to fill and, and uh, saturate the life of the believer. It is possible, brothers and sisters, for the larger percentage of us here to have been born of the Spirit, but to not be filled with His presence. I want, you, I want us to think about that today, that that could be possible. I would like to um, lift that, uh, lift that uh, up and, and pull it apart a little bit in our consciousness here this afternoon. That, that we can meditate on these things, that we could give ourselves wholly to them, that we might know him, like Brother uh, Dale shared, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. In uh, one of our meetings before, um, as we were going over some details before the weekend commenced, um, one of the brothers shared about a particular movement that had a, a, a word that they used to describe prayer. 
And uh, when he said that word, I had never heard that word before. I knew the concept, I understood it, but I'd never heard that word. And, uh, and sometimes when we look at the subject of the fullness of the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, being whelmed in his presence and so forth, um, we might think of certain movements or classes of people. Um, and I, I think for myself, I'm not content to have certain movements or classes of people take out patents on certain words that are in the book. I would like us to know all the counsel of God and to walk in all his fullness. This is this is my heart cry, and I believe should be the cry of each one of us. Um, the the fullness of the Holy Spirit is not something um, to be feared. It's not something that we need to be worried about uh, because it might get us off the path. Um, I believe it was the late uh, George R. Bronk II uh, in one of his meetings was saying, um, I believe about the word holiness. He said, because so many people have uh, left holiness go so low, sometimes God got to raise up somebody who maybe seems to have an undue emphasis on a certain subject. But he uh, exhorted us in that message to uh, not let that um, cause us to react. And, and, and so um, as we think of these writers of Holy Scripture, they were not uh, necessarily popular men in their time many times. But they were men who knew God. And they were men that had their sails filled with the Holy Spirit, with the wind. The word translated spirit many times in the New Testament is the word pneuma. Uh, we get the word in the English uh, uh, language pneumatic. Uh, wind, air. Let me ask you, uh, uh, maybe a, cli- a clipper or some other uh, uh, ship like that that's under the power of the wind. Do you think there's evidence? Do you think you can see it if you're standing by on a, maybe an island as it goes by? Do you think if you're on the deck of that, uh, that uh, vessel that you'll be able to know that the Holy Spirit's there and that it's filling those sails? I think we would all say yes, the answer is so. And, and I think, brothers and sisters, that if a life is full of the Holy Ghost and the wind is filling the sail, men and women will know it. And if um, there's question about that in our life, then I would like to suggest that maybe it's because we're not filled or saturated with the Holy Ghost. The word um, filled, as used in the New Testament, all every occurrence, I believe, except one, is the word saturated. Not, not like um, this cup here, I could fill this cup up. It, that, there's another word that could be used for that, and that's a good word, I suppose. But the Lord, in, in His inspiration, as he, as he directed the New Testament writers... Use the word saturated. And, and I want to talk about uh, being saturated in the presence of the living God. And, and brothers and sisters, we need to be honest. Where are we at? Um, do we know what it's like to be saturated in His presence? Do we often have times of being soaked in the presence of Almighty God? Um, Isaiah, in uh, the beginning of the book of Isaiah, said that he uh, had a vision. And in that vision, he was taken into the, the throne room and he saw God. And that vision really affected Isaiah. It changed, it, it changed the way he thought. It changed what he did. It changed a lot of things about Isaiah. And I, it is my belief that every time that we're taken into the throne room and when we really encounter God, that it will change so much about our life. It is possible to be laboring, maybe to have a new heart um, that the Lord has given us, to, to, to have a love for Christ, to be laboring to follow Him, but to have so little of the overcoming power. Um, as we were preparing again for this meetings, uh, one of the uh, brothers that have organized this event um, 
talked about the year Jubilee or year of release. And last night as I was praying, I thought, yes, that is God's will, that we enter into Canaan land, that we walk in Canaan land. Um, I'm thinking of the song that says, is not this the land of Beulah? And that we can walk and live there. But before we can walk and live in Canaan land, we must cross Jordan. And uh, last night as I was praying and, and, and thinking about this, it, it seemed to me that as uh, I thought about this, that I thought it is not right for us um, to begin uh, praising God as if we lived in Canaan when we have not yet walked Jordan. Now, I believe it is right to praise God by faith. I've often said that the children of Israel sang the right song on the wrong side of the Red Sea. And it is right to by faith to rejoice. And God meets him that rejo- uh, rejoices and uh, God inhabits the prayers, uh, the praises of his people. And, and I would not minimize that. But I, I also think of the words where uh, the scriptures tell us to be afflicted, mourn and weep. Let our laughter be turned to sorrow and our joy to heaviness. And uh, there is a time for everything. And I believe in these days as the darkness is advancing in our land and as we stand, I believe, on the uh, uh, brink of judgment in this nation, that it is a time to cry mightily to God. And uh, especially as we look at our own personal lives, as we look, um, many of you uh, have come from various congregations around the, the, the United States and elsewhere. And as you look at your congregations, um, is your congregation full of the Holy Ghost and on fire for God? Is, is that the temperature or would uh, the angel, to, uh, uh, the letter to the angel of the church, would it read somewhat differently? And brothers and sisters, I'm convinced that if we have a concern about these things, the place to start is with me. Um, many of you have probably heard the, the saying about uh, we, uh, the, the person that uh, stood on the ground and took a chalk and said, Lord, send a revival and started inside this circle and stepped in the circle. And I believe that must be our heart here today. If we've experienced seasons of refreshing at any time in our life or are walking in a place where the wind is filling our sails, then our cry should be, God, make me an instrument. Make me useful. Help me to infect others. Um, I was telling one brother this afternoon about uh, one of the revivalists that walked into a knitting mill. And uh, this deeply humbles me as I think about this story. Um, he walked in. I, I don't know what his business was in that knitting mill, but there was a, uh, as was a custom in those days, a, a young, uh, a number of young lasses at a, a machine working together, and they were frivolous and lighthearted and joking, whatever else. And this dear brother is all he did. He didn't utter a word. He didn't do anything else. He looked across that room to those girls, and the conviction of God fell on them with one look. It's mindful uh, to me of what our Lord did with Peter with one look. And brothers and sisters, does that happen in your life? Is there such, like Dale shared about becoming uh, like Christ? Are we so Christ-like that even sometimes just a simple look will bring conviction to somebody? Or is there too much flesh manifest and evident yet? Are we still working under our own power, under the power of the flesh? Or are we really seeking and crying out to God? I would like to read... Um, Luke eleven five to thirteen. You may turn with me there if you care to. Luke eleven, starting in verse five. 
And he said to them, Who among you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say to a friend, Let me have three loaves, since a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he within answering should say, Do not disturb me. The door is already shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise up to give it thee. I say to you, although he will not get up and give them to him because he is his friend, because of his shamelessness, at any rate, he will rise and give him as many as he wants. And now here's the, the application for our lives. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asks receives. And he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks it will be opened. But of whom of you, that is a father, shall a son ask bread, and the father shall give him a stone, or also a fish, and instead of a fish shall he give him a serpent? Or if also he shall ask an egg, shall give him a scorpion? If therefore ye being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much rather shall the Father who is of heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Cease reading there. The burden of my heart this afternoon is that um, that song says, Revive thy work, O Lord. Create soul thirst for thee. Uh, I believe it's in James that says, You don't have because you don't ask or you ask amiss. And brothers and sisters, if we would settle it once and for all that the crying need of the church today is the fullness of the presence of Almighty God, the Holy Spirit, we would cry out together for him. I, I have to think about the needs around uh, our prayer circle, and I'm sure they're similar to each one of the prayer circles you find yourself in, because we're all men of like passions and, and uh, sisters also. And I thought last night as we went around the circle and shared the needs and what we needed uh, from the, this weekend, I thought every one of those things can be answered by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the uh, I am, I am all for experiences like we had um, last uh, year, Sunday morning. Many of you were there, remember that, and I praise God for that. But I want to tell you this afternoon, I'm not preaching about an experience. Um, I'm not just preaching about a, a, a one-time uh, camp meeting somewhere where we meet God. Though, if you've never done that, you need to do that. You need to press through till you have found yourself in His presence and filled with His, with His um, Spirit and with His joy and with His love and those things. If you've never known a time in your life where He soaked your sponge, I advise you, by, by all means, follow the example of those that have written this Scripture that has been passed to us and seek Him for that inspiration, that empowerment for your life. But just because you have experienced that um, doesn't mean that that now you're done. I, I, I want to say, I hope I don't shock you, that I believe in the second work of grace. But I consider it quite unfortunate that anybody would want to stop there. And uh, I believe, you know, in, in some of our set settings, again, because of people putting a certain box or a certain name on a certain experience, sometimes we re maybe reacted a bit to that. I don't know. Um, but uh, I'm afraid that there's been Folks in our circles sometimes that haven't even had the second work hardly. They've gotten born again somewhere and the rest they're trying to do themselves. And they've never been soaked in the presence of Almighty God. And if they have, I, I prescribe and recommend to you the experience of Acts 4, if you care to turn there with me. 
these are, might I remind you, just days or weeks before, people who had been filled with the Holy Ghost. Is there any question in our mind uh, on Pentecost whether these brothers and sisters were filled with the Holy Ghost? Do we have any question? We can look at the experience. We can look at the results. We can use just about any litmus test you want and you will come up and say they were filled with the Holy Ghost. But these same people, not very long after, were facing some challenges. And maybe they were sponges like we are a little bit sometimes. And we get saturated and we thank God for that. But He wants us to be being filled. He wants us to be saturated. Do you think that so much of the New Testament written by uh, the beloved Apostle Paul would have been written if it was just a one-time experience with Paul. Let me ask you. I don't think so. And we want to talk more about the great gift of writing and these things being passed down in writing. But I, I fear lest we miss this point and, and I, I, I think we cannot spend enough time and focus on, on, on this. Let's begin reading in verse 29 of um, Acts 4. Remember, These which had just been filled with the Holy Spirit, but now facing some new challenges. And now, Lord, look upon their threatenings and give to thy bondmen with all boldness to speak thy word in that thou stretchest out thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders take place through the name of thy holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were assembled shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. And we'll cease reading there. Blown under the power. The sails were full and there was things happening. In a particular setting that I found myself uh, growing up and raised, uh, the, the gospel was preached. I thank God for that. I thank God that uh, it was taught that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That is a, a great light to have in your pathway to be raised in a setting where that was taught. And I praise God for that. But in a particular setting that... Uh, I found myself, it was taught that this here ceased to be. This was, it was a dispensation that was fulfilled at the beginning of the church. And we should not expect any more to see healings or miracles or other manifestations. Can I say we should not expect ever again to see the sail flap in the breeze. I remember going to uh, one of the older men in, in my youthfulness and opening up Mark 16 and saying, what does this mean? And he explained all the way as that was for the introduction of the church. I am here to say this afternoon that is a heresy that is wrong. It is a heresy of practice that will rob God of his glory. And he is worthy of the glory due to his name. And he will never, ever receive it until we are full of him. If we do it by committees, if we do it by uh, human organization and strength, maybe we set up these nice structures, whatever they may be, and they become Lord instead of his Holy Spirit. We will never bring him the glory that he deserves. It is only as those, those sails are full of the wind that we will be driven to where he wants us to be driven. And, and, and so I just felt at the outset of this um, message to talk about inspiration about these men because Jesus told the Pharisees that uh, they um, garnished the tomb, they decorated, they They made nice the tombs of the prophets and said, we wouldn't be like that. We would be like this. And we can do the same thing sometimes in our Christian circles by taking men of God and and putting them up here and, and looking at them. And those things are good to do. But we can do that, but never bring it down to where we live. 
And if, if there's anything, if you if you forget everything else I say, uh, if you if you miss anything I say about writing, that's okay. I just want you to be infected with one thing this afternoon, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Yes, the fellowship of his sufferings, the path there. You will never have one outside of the other. But that I would know him and that he would know me and that God would make his great name great in the earth through us. That together we would cry out for more of him. Again, like I said earlier, I'm not um, talking about an experience or, or even about whatever manifestations he chooses to put on our life. I think there's a, there can be an evil uh, in seeking the gifts instead of the giver. Though I believe in the gifts and I believe just as sure as water runs downhill, they will, they will follow uh, the outpouring of his presence. Yet let's not seek him for, for what he gives, but for who he is and that he would be glorified. I would like to, um, at this time, turn to Psalm 45.1. Psalm 45.1 says, My heart is welling forth with a good matter. I say what I've composed touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And uh, this afternoon, we want to talk a bit about the written word. Um, may touch more on this thing of seeking God for, for him to fill our sails. But um, I would like to ask each of us a question. If there was no pen and if God had chosen to only pass his word down to us orally. How many of us believe we would be here in the way we are today? And uh, we could stop there. That would be enough to look at the, the, the canon of Scripture and how that came to be about how these holy men of God um, either spake and their words were recorded or in some cases wrote. And uh, that would be a good consideration. But I would like to think that it... Um, you know, when Revelation was closed and, uh, and uh, the last chapter was written in, in what we know as the canon of Scripture, I'd like to suggest that God did not cease writing his holy word. He did not cease passing that on. Uh, men copied the Scriptures. Men translated the Scriptures. Men have preached the Scriptures and they've been recorded with uh, various means of recording, uh, pen and ink and typewriters and computers and maybe tape recorders, and they have been passed on. And today, that, that uh, word is still um, being passed on. And again, we could sit here and rejoice in, in this book. We could rejoice in this. And that would be a very good exercise this afternoon to look at the Holy Bible and the great gift that was given us in knowing the heart of God from Genesis to Revelation to being able to understand that. Uh, we could think about the Chinese in uh, China, who uh, many of them that don't have this privilege are longing for copies. We could think about those that aren't even longing because they don't even know it exists. We could think about all those things. But this afternoon, I've chosen to, to develop, uh, to walk this uh, subject just a little bit different. I would like to think about you and your pen. One day, we were down in uh, Philadelphia outside the, the World Series um, game. The, the people of this world that find a thrill in watching a ball get thrown around and hit around. We're flocking there in large numbers because it was an important game. And 
uh, a brother had led out in organizing some brothers to go there and talk about something far more important than uh, uh, a baseball. He he'd uh, taken a group of uh, brothers down there to preach about the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and and another way and a home in heaven and salvation. And uh, there was a a place there where they would get off the subway and uh, wherever else they were coming from. They just swarmed down the sidewalk going to the stadium. And uh, there was a a raised concrete place where we were able to, uh, various brothers were able to stand up on there and preach the gospel. And uh, somewhere during that point, there was a a young uh, Amish brother who had come to faith in Christ and wanted to tell others. And he had gone along for the ride that day. And uh, he was uh, sincere and he wanted to follow Jesus. And so uh, somewhere during that uh, time, um, one of the brothers suggested to that brother, uh, why don't you get up and preach? And uh, I don't need to tell you, probably never done anything like that before. And uh, but he trembled a little, but he stepped up there and he grabbed that mic in his hand. He started preaching and he preached for five or ten minutes. I don't remember how long. It wasn't real long. And I was uh, rejoicing to see that. I was rejoicing to see him um, take the word and, and preach it forward. You know, on the way home, uh, that brother, I, I was driving that van, as I recall, and I heard a uh, conversation happening in the back of the van. And uh, we're going to call him uh, Brother Isaac. That wasn't his name. And uh, Brother Isaac was saying, I got to spend more time in the word. I've never done anything like that, but I see I don't know my Bible. And I pray, God, that each one of us, you know, the Bible says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And uh, don't ever deceive yourself in thinking they're two separate things. They are one and the same. And they cannot be separated. If you study the Word without the Spirit, you will, you will not have any more life than reading something else unless you believe. And then the Spirit brings these words off the page. Likewise, if you spend time in prayer and the Spirit tells you something, guides you, it will always agree here. But this brother, he knew he needed something more than what he had. It was a good thing. It was a good thing for him to try God and prove God. I pray that many of you would do that. Maybe you won't have a chance to preach at a World Series game, but you will have a chance to preach somewhere. You know, um, as I think about men down through time who've, who've given us this gift, men of, that have been touched by the Holy Spirit, I was thinking um, just today, a brother was telling me about uh, the life of Oswald Chambers. And uh, I don't know how many of you realize it, and I have no reason to doubt this story. But um, according to this brother, Oswald Chambers never wrote anything down. Did you know that? He didn't have any tape recorded messages. You can't go online somewhere and download an MP3 in uh, Oswald Chambers' voice. But you know, there was somebody behind the scenes. I never knew this. A lady, a servant, Oswald Chambers' wife, who learned how to run that typewriter. And just weeks before he died, he told his wife, we aren't experiencing anything yet. God is going to open a much greater door. And he was right, but it didn't come quite the way he thought. But as Mrs. Chambers labored on that typewriter and wrote those things out, she's probably blessed thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives with 
um, some of the things that God put in, in, uh, in him and his experiences. How much would we know about the persecuted pilgrim church down through time? Those that have suffered and given their life for Christ, if it wasn't that somebody recorded and passed it on to us. Sometimes at great price. What about the histories of revival? What we, how would we know? You know, as we open up this time uh, together, I talked about living in the fullness of the Spirit, experiencing the presence of God and wanting more. And together, not just individually, together also seeking Him for more. I think it's right. I think it's biblical. I think uh, Acts 4, that's what they were doing. We don't see Peter pounding the floor somewhere. I'm sure he may have done that at times. I don't know. But we see them together. But you know how... How, would we, if we didn't have the writings, either of the scriptures or down through time since, of how God's moved and touched people, would it really make us hungry to uh, press in to see Him move? I'd like to read um, some verses from Isaiah 55, 10 to 13. Uh, before I do, I want to say one more thing yet about writing, um, about spirit directed writing and encouragement. Um, just recently I was in another state and we were talking about this subject of writing. Of course, the conversation there, uh, I don't believe anybody knew that, that I had an assignment to share on that. But the one brother said uh, about when he gets a letter on, in the mail, he thinks, oh, what did I do now? What did I do wrong now? Brothers and sisters, is that when we write, when we have a bone to pick? Is it the only times we write when we have something to straighten out? I don't know. Is it fair to suggest, and, and of course God needs to be the, the final author, that uh, maybe something of an 80-20 rule would be in order? For sure, I wouldn't think less than 50% of encouragement. Brother just told me again here at lunch about a time that uh, he walked into a restaurant and, and saw a preacher there. And he was struggling with some things, some things in his health, some discouragement. And the Lord just put on his heart to pray for him. He didn't find out till quite a while later how God used that to bless that preacher. How about, it? how about young people? What about your parents? What about maybe older men that are laboring in the Word or examples of godliness? Do you pick up that pen? Maybe it's just a sticky note. Do you know how many times down through time people have found sticky notes in people's wallets? Years and years and years later, I heard it once told about a, a, a class, I believe it was maybe a high school class, or I don't remember, and the teacher uh, wrote something special for each student, something of encouragement, and years later, they had a high school reunion, I don't remember how many years it was, and somebody brought this up, and everybody sheepishly reached back and pulled up their wallets and everything, and almost everyone still had that original encouraging thing. Especially, you know, it's, it's great to walk up to a, a brother that has, you know, maybe labored in prayer, in the Word, or uh, whatever the case may be. Maybe just come through a trial and, and put our hand on their shoulder and bless them. That's a good thing to do. But sometimes it's better to take the time to just write it down and give that brother a, a little blessing, a little encouragement that he can take with him. Again, it will never come out right if we uh, try to do this in our own fleshly power. I, I know the story of a young Mennonite girl in another state um, who uh, was a great writer. She had a reasonable command of the scriptures. It's a young lady, 15 or 16, she wrote a lot of letters. 
to people. Only one problem. She had not yet been born of the Spirit. She was just doing it because it was a good idea. And uh, we had the privilege of relating to that young lady for a while as she struggled in absolute disbelief, even of the, the blood atonement and, and things. I'm thankful to say since she's come through to choosing to walk by faith. But it's not enough just to go in good ideas. They will never hit the mark. It must be under the power of the Holy Spirit. It must be as the wind fills your sails. Maybe you wake in the night and the Lord puts a brother in your heart and you hopefully kneel down and pray for him. But maybe that would be a good time to say, Lord, do you want me to write something? The inspiration of the written word. I know often when we think of those words, we think, you know, this. And that's a very good thing to think about. What about the inspiration of the pen in your hand? Um, like to uh, also give a, maybe at this time a little caution about that. It, it goes hand in hand with this power of the flesh. Today we have uh, not only typewriters, we have text messages, we have emails, we have blogs, we have all kinds of things. And one thing we read about Jesus is that he taught not as the scribes, but he taught as one with authority. Brothers and sisters, Let's be careful only to move under the power of the Holy Ghost. Be careful before we bang out that email. Before we give our two cents. That doesn't really count anyhow unless it's anointed by Him. Myself, I've grown weary of discussion groups. I've turned away from much of those things because there's so much noise. So many good opinions. So many words. But so little authority and anointing. Let's don't be part of that. I'm not saying you can't use your computer to type a letter or typewriter or something. But be careful, labor in it, pray over it. And maybe sometimes just put it all away and pull your pen and paper out. And uh, write that, that word to a brother or sister that might need it. I also thought uh, this afternoon to talk about a little excuses. The first reason I gave that you wouldn't write the word of God to others, that you wouldn't pass that on, would be, that you, aren't, you don't have the Spirit of God soaking your sponge. There's not a passion, a flame inside of you. Jeremiah, I believe it was, said that when I tried to be quiet, I couldn't do it. Why? Because it was like a fire shut in my bones. Let me ask you, is that true of your life? Is it true of my life? When we try to hold in, is there something that just feels like we've got to share? Or is it, oh, uh -huh, well, maybe another time. Let's be honest. I know that God, God is speaking to our hearts. He wants us to be full of Him. Some other excuses. Um, I'm not a writer. Ever hear that one? Let me ask you. Do you think that on Judgment Day, uh, God's going to take, uh, I'm not a prayer, or I'm not a reader, so I didn't read the Bible? Is that going to be okay? History tells us that many times, the, the ones that have become most prominent and uh, um, accomplished in their field are not the ones that had the natural gifting many, many times. And if writing comes hard for you, then thank God for it. And that gives you a fresh opportunity to depend on Him for His Holy Spirit so you can't do it and you must rely on Him. Maybe it would be better if all of us had a little harder. I don't know. Another one is procrastination. It's been said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Here's a question. On, according to the scriptures, on judgment day, will we be judged by our works or our intentions? How will it be? 
that unwritten letter, that unspoken blessing, that time that we intended to spend in the Word, knowing more of Him, it won't count on Judgment Day. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that only gold, silver, and precious stones are going to stand. And I believe that one of the ways today we can know whether we're building with gold, silver, and precious stones is we will sit, submit our life to the fire today. That's how we can be sure. We're going to have to start walking in it. We're going to have to start proving what's hay and stubble and straw, what's flesh and what isn't. In our prayer group, a brother uh, expressed a concern in witnessing that um, he doesn't always know when it's God's voice. That's okay if you're starting there, but it's not okay to stay there. We must learn by walking. We must practice by doing. We must prove all things that we may know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Another thing is perfectionism, or a better scriptural word would be pride. Maybe you can say my penmanship isn't very good. <laughs> would, that, would that have worked? Um, you know, have any of you ever studied any of the, the old scripts or saw some of them? <laughs> Some of the reason we have the Bible today is because people that didn't have the finest penmanship persevered anyhow. I think we read in one of the uh, scriptures, you see how large a letter I've written with my own hand. And many scholars believe that has to do not with how long, but how big letters the Apostle Paul used. I don't know which way it is, but I know one thing. Paul didn't wait till he had everything perfect to walk. Maybe you say, well, I can't spell. I think I've given enough. You can take it from there. Time's coming to a close. Let's turn to Ezekiel 47, 6-9. I believe it would be a closing, a fitting closing here. And we've t- talked about how men of God have given us this book and now the ball's in our court. And it's our turn to pass it on, either in direct quotation or translation or teaching or just encouragement as the Spirit leads. Ezekiel 47. Reading verses 6 to 9. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? And he led me and brought me back to the bank of the river. When I returned, behold, on the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. He said unto me, These waters issue out toward the east district and go down into the plain and go into the sea. And when they are brought forth into the sea, the waters thereof shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that every living thing which moveth whither so ever the double river shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, for these waters shall come thither, and the waters of the sea shall be healed, and everything shall live whither the river cometh. I'm not sure if I understand all the application of this prophecy. But I believe we could use this picture as a picture of what comes out of our pen this afternoon. It would be great to think about other aspects of our life, to think about the spoken word, But let's think about the river that comes from our pen. And everywhere that river goes, there's life. 
If just ten men or women out of this assembly would take this seriously, be filled with the presence of Almighty God, and all the rest of their days never utter another word for God, but only to express that with their pen, history and the world would record what happened from those ten men and ladies, even if it was just one. But we aren't confined to the pen. And we thank God for the pen. We can speak. We can pray. We can assemble with other brothers. But everywhere that river goes life. Let me ask you, what's flowing out of your life today? Maybe you say, maybe some, there's someone here that says, I don't even know if I have life in me. That's good. Be honest. Maybe you say, I know. I know back there. I know I experienced life. I know he came into this clay jar. Sure doesn't seem like a river. I see a few trickles here and there. Maybe an occasional shower. Is there rivers of living water? Jesus said, as written, out of his belly, should flow rivers of living water. And I'd say the way that we can know is everywhere the river comes, life. That's how we can test it. Is everywhere the outflow and overflow of my life goes, is it life? Is it life more abundant? Let's be honest in these weeks and let's seek God till He come and rain righteousness upon us. He's willing. He is more willing than we are to have us be vessels of that river, to be uh, dispensers and channels. He is really willing. He's longing for it. The question is, are we willing? In closing, I heard a young man say this afternoon that... um, he would read some of these books about the great men of God and say, I want to be like that and I want to be like this. But then as he saw the behind the scenes life, he had to think again because he saw the cost. I would just like to say this word that none of us has yet paid the ultimate cost, namely that of giving our very lifeblood. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. It's always worth giving all. It's worth seeking all to find Him, like that pearl of great price. Not only will you be blessed, He'll be blessed, and many others also. And God bless you.